Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with Chelsea N10. Hi, Ten. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you doing today? I am doing really good. I um had a very, very busy weekend. I'm trying to get all of my readings done uh, before, you know, I take a nice break for, um, you know, the holiday coming up. And I'm looking forward to spending some time with my family and, you know, those that I love and just... I just want to eat a lot and just put on a pair of leggings and sit on the couch. You know what I mean? I just want to eat mashed potatoes. That's right. Absolutely. Like that is the best time of the year is just eating. Oh yeah. I am. I am. I've been dreaming about this all weekend of like all of the stuffing. Like my mom is hosting Thanksgiving this year. We have a ton of our family coming. So Mm -hmm. I am very excited to see everybody. And I just want to eat stuffing and mashed potatoes, but I'm not a turkey girl, believe it or not. I don't like turkey. I like turkey. Turkey has to be smoked for me. Um, I do not like oven baked turkey because it can get really, really dry. But, you know, for the last few years, um, me and Kevin have actually just done like breakfast for dinner, like a huge like buffet. Oh, that's the best with like pancakes and shit. Oh, waffles. Fuck me up. So Kevin and I are actually going up north to my sister and brother-in-law to visit them and spend the holiday with them. So we're doing breakfast for dinner up there. Like, I can't wait to watch the parade. Yes. Santa, eat some waffles. Hang out. Sorry, I have Pluto in here and he is just being an absolute. Everyone loves to hear my Pluto stories. He has been vying for my attention since I've opened my laptop to talk to 10 and film this podcast. She's watched it happen 15 times. Truly, he's starved for attention. I don't understand. We just took a nap on the couch together. It's like, you can never do enough for cats and i swear whoever lied to me and said cats are independent no they're not it might have been me <laughs> they are not independent my god especially male cats like i know we talk about this all the time but truly it is an enigma pluto is an enigma to me yeah male cats man they will let you know they have some mommy issues or something i don't really know they have to like be right next to you twice. oh iroh has to be touching kevin or he has a conniption. That's Pluto. Like if he is not by my side, he's like, where'd my mom go? <laughs> it's like I will not see Iroh all day. And then the moment Kevin opens the door when he comes home, General Tubbs comes running down the stairs. <laughs> he does. I've seen that. Like when we're working, I hear him. Haven't seen him. He used to love me and come down and greet me. Now he could be like, give two shits. He's like, <laughs> when Kevin comes home, he comes like rolling down the stairs. <laughs> like you hear it. You do that. This man's is 16 and a half pounds and sounds like a herd of elephants coming down. No, the really does. Really does. Love how we're roasting our children. Like, why are y'all like this? No. Oh, but yeah, I'm just trying to keep him under control while I'm in here or else he's meowing outside. So it's like, which, which one do I pick? Oh, I'm honestly surprised that voodoo hasn't shoved her paw underneath the bedroom door right now. And is like, shaking it like a damn earthquake because the children couldn't possibly be left alone for five seconds it's so weird because i was thinking about this i feel like cats like imprint on you like you'll get one cat that just like laser focuses on you and then that's it it's game over game over and i don't know what it is about cats in like 
laptops, Zoom, especially like meetings, because I'll be filming classes for my students and Voodoo and Ira will be all over me, climbing me like a damn jungle gym. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just like want to be a part of the conversation, but of the teaching. It's like, okay, well, if you want, you can sit on my lap and we can both talk about ghosts and necromancy, but you need to sit still. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> did you just hear him now in the background? No. Okay. I thought he left and he came in and he was like, Meow. listen, just give listen. me an hour. It's not, it's not time to be fed, my guy. No, it's not. But back to the conversation of Thanksgiving. I really just can't wait to eat stuffing. I'm so excited. I have Thanksgiving dinner once a year. Um, I don't actually celebrate Thanksgiving. I just enjoy in the the food. Um, and for any of you Italians out there, it's not Thanksgiving unless your mom's making some sort of lasagna or pasta and sauce. So <laughs> we're very inclusive at my house. Like I love that. Vegetarian. Uh, my mom always has like a pasta and sauce. Like Okay, we just had to cut a little segment out because like I said, Pluto was just acting up in here. So I had to just put him outside. Um, you can't sit with us. I mean, sir, it is not dinner time. Your mom is trying to film a podcast. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, I know we are looking to switch to video podcasting. I'm like, what is that going to look like for me? <laughs> what it look like? You're just going to see a cat on my head. Oh, legit. When I film up in the office for school, you can see like in the corner the doorway so every so often you'll just see a cat literally strut in like boom 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 like I'm gonna come annoy my mom yeah it's it's truly too much but um well anyway like I was saying I am super excited for all the food the good time so I just hope you know if you are listening to us right now I hope that you take some time off for yourself if you are in the uh industry of like retail, um, service chains, anyone else, I forget customer service. I know this time of year gets really rowdy with people. I used oh to work from at the jewelry counter. Holy Ooh. God. I worked for years at Victoria's secret over Christmas breaks and summer breaks, uh, in college. It's, it's unhinged. It's it, please just treat your retail workers, servers, anybody in the industry right now, just please be nice to us. Like, yeah, be nice. Why are people so mean? This is what I don't get. Like if something is not going right, or like someone made a mistake, you do understand. It's not like always the, uh, customer service representative's fault, you know, like mm -hmm. be nice to people, they're more likely to fix it for you. There's no need to be a Karen. Um, and just be nice to people. I notice when I have a problem and I go to customer service and I am nice and I ask them how they're doing, they are more than happy to fix the issue. Oh, absolutely. If you are just kind and, you know, don't raise your voice because immediately, like, if ever something goes wrong, like, people who work retail, um, people who are servers can tell you this probably firsthand. The moment something goes wrong, it, it they immediately are just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like, you're right. Okay. Like, it's we're human. Like, take it's okay. I'm not going to yell. Be fine. You take your time. I know you're busy. I am not the only person here. No, it's I know. It gets, um, it does get unhinged. Like working Nordstrom during the holidays actually gave me some like crazy, like trauma from people just like being so mean and like wanting things when they wanted them. Oh, and the best is a lot of you retail people can relate to this. When people come in like a week before Christmas and they want their present by Christmas shipped and you're like, ah, 
that's not gonna happen my guy i'm so sorry like i am not santa i cannot get it to you overnight i apologize but you're out of your mind (laughs) well you want to know something insane and for any of you that work from nordstrom you know this they will always go to the fullest extent to their customers and i'll never forget on christmas eve a lot they're still open on christmas eve um someone like wanted a gift for Christmas and I'll never forget the store manager drove to their house to drop the gift off. Stop it. Yeah. They will go to like the fullest extent for a customer to a certain, certain range, but they will do anything that they can for you. It's like, it was insane. We were expected to do so many things um, for people. That's absolutely insane. Like I, I would actually work on Christmas Eve until like noon and I had people who were just starting shopping that day and I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, this is absolutely insane. Like, yeah. And then the music is in your ears 24 seven and you're like, oh my God, if I heard one more remix of an Ariana Grande Christmas cover, I was, I would simply walk out. (laughs) I know. I know. So listen, as we approach the holiday season, um, you know, just be kind to one another don't worry. Everyone just take a deep collective breath together, you know, put on a protection oil and we're all going to be fine. (laughs) All right. We got to be nice to each other this holiday season. Exactly. Um, But another thing I did want to say too, is 10 and I are actually coming up to closing out season one of our podcast. I think after this episode, we're going to have two more left and we are actually taking a long break in December to, you know, we need to break ourselves. Um, we do get burnt out just like you do. And we are going to be coming back in January. Um, I think on January 2nd, better than ever with a surprise that we are working on. We're going to be, I'm so excited. We're going to be on YouTube. So we are working our way over to YouTube. We're still going to be doing the podcasting here. So you'll still receive your podcasting audio. But if you want to see us once a week on video, that's what we're going to be working on. Catch us over there. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Cannot wait to redecorate during the break for like the office and everything oh, like yeah. it's gonna be a truly, vibe. truly bringing the haunted mansion the tower of terror twilight zone into my office oh yeah really excited and one thing before we go into our topic for the day we did rebrand the metaphysical store i forgot we only told patreon this because like, we just oh, yeah <laughs> episode um if you're interested we do actually have a patreon that is ten dollars a month where we do post two additional videos um podcasts or educational content and some standalone posts that usually involve witchcraft doing runes things like that etc spirit communication sigils um and we did recently do a live podcast which was fun so maybe we'll do another one soon but we did rebrand our metaphysical store. So yes. it is no more evoking the shop. Um, for those of you that listen to us, have bought from us and maybe didn't know, it's now Sticks and Bones, the store. So we are just completely Sticks and Bones. Um, and we are just in the business of making things easier and what feels good for us and how our brand is. Absolutely. It was it was a lot. And I know we talked about this earlier, but there was a lot of kind of disconnects that we saw with you know, people who have supported us on, on both sides of the coin. And it was like, oh, wait, you're the ones on the podcast or wait, you're the ones who have evoking the shop. And it's like, you know what? We got to fix this. (laughs) We do. And as um, someone who did marketing professionally, it always bothered me that we had two different names, but it's so hard to like rebrand things and then you got to keep it. And it was like, we got to make a new logo. So um, it's very much giving tower of terror, haunted mansion, like spooky motel vibes. Um, 
we like to think of ourselves as the motel in the underworld, like the very fancy Hollywood hotel that you would stay in if you visited <laughs> Hades or something. Like <laughs> that's exactly the vibe we're going for because that is who we are. So um, we really do love it. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out. We also got some merch in for Sticks and Bones, the hotel keys. Oh yeah. Can't Those wait. Are- <laughs> and we're working on other things too. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm gonna say. We can't That's all it. I'm gonna say. Tells everything. <laughs> I know. Well, I did want to mention the YouTube thing because you know, whatever. We're gonna be on YouTube. That's where we're going, and still here. Absolutely, okay. I can't wait. So today we are talking about, which I think is super exciting, and we haven't talked about before. Um, basically, mummies and conditional curses, and we're gonna be touching upon um, some archaeology from Egypt that Ten's gonna go through some of the new tombs that they found. You know, we all know that they think they found Cleopatra's tomb. Um, they also found another queen, Queen Nath, right? Um, the goddess Nath. Yeah, Nath yeah. is so badass in Egyptian mythology. Oh yeah, so cool. Um, and yeah, we're just going to be talking about like the curse of the mummy. We all know that movie was the nineties, right? 1990s, 97 for for the, for the mummy. No, the curse of the mummy. What was that movie with Brandon Fraser? Brandon Fraser is the mummy. That was 99. Okay. I'm sorry. I was asking you what year it was. I forgot. I'm not like, uh, I, I got scared by that movie when I was younger. So I haven't watched it since I no. Chelsea, no. No, I'll tell you the story when we get to it, but I literally can't watch it because I'm so traumatized. <laughs> so I absolutely love that. Peak Brendan Fraser. Everybody in that cast is just amazing. Hot. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but okay, so before we dive into um, mummies and conditional curses, we did take some viewer questions over on our Instagram. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, it's at sticks and bones podcast. Um, we do sometimes, you know, survey our listeners to see what questions they want us to answer. And today we have two of them. What are the burning questions? These are the burning questions on our listeners' minds. And, um, I don't think we've, I feel like the first one we kind of answered, but we touch upon it again. Yeah. Hit me with them. All right. So we've been getting, once again, a lot of questions around death work. Um, and someone did ask us, you know, that they said they wanted to get involved in death work and they weren't really sure what to do. Okay. And I feel like that's kind of a hard question to answer. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard question to answer. And it's also kind of a hard question to ask. I would also say. Yes. I mean, death work is such a big umbrella term. Like we've said here multiple times that, there is a possibility that you could already be doing death work. Like sometimes when people think of death work, we've said this in many of episodes, um, they think of someone that is just standing there and chatting with spirits all day long. And yeah, there are some people that do that, right? It's part of their death work. That's very much my practice. It's more spiritual than like physical where 10 is really more so in the physical because she's an archaeologist that digs Mm -hmm. up past remains of people. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a star contrast, but Sometimes death work is just being a vet tech or, um, you know, hospice hospice nurse, et cetera. Um, There is no like getting into death work. You know what I mean? I, Ted and I were discussing this and it's like death work has to find you is how I see it. Yeah. It, it almost feels like you come, you kind of stumble ass backwards into it. Mm -hmm. And like, so basically what I'm trying to say is go about your life, go about what you want to do with your life. Like, you know, I always wanted to become an archaeologist. Okay. Check. Got that done. And then 
as I, you know, began the craft and everything, you know, a few years later, it was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, this is death work. But I had already been doing it for so long. And for, I would dare say like 90% of my life that it was just kind of like, oh, well, I didn't know that there was a name to it, but that's what it is. Like you don't go out there searching for it. It literally finds you. And all of a sudden you're just like, oh shit, I've been doing this forever. Yes. And I would say a good sign is you're drawn to it. Usually that's always like the first key. Not many people are drawn to doing death work. I'll tell you that. Like I have done readings for people um, where I've confirmed death work for them. And they were like, what? (laughs) Yes. And sometimes it's really just working with your ancestors, being a psychic medium. So I hope that answers your question. It's death and death work and death witchcraft are really hard for us to talk about without being so like, these are the rules and this is everything because that's not how it works. And there's like laws. It's like kind of like a lawless place. Sometimes you just, I can't really explain it. You can't really explain it, but like, you also don't know how to do it unless you go through it. And it's, if you're going into it, just do research, kind of do that, but also don't try and force something if it's not there. I think that's the perfect way to end that. And, um, yeah, just remember death work is not an aesthetic. Absolutely. Make that clear. And this was not to the person that answered that question, but you know, you have to actually be practicing it mm-hmm. and that's why you embody it. Okay. Um, this, this is a good question too, that I want to answer. Then we'll dive into our episode for today. What do you consider advanced in witchcraft? Like what makes, like when people are saying, oh, I'm so advanced. Like, what does that mean? I think that's a really good question. Mm. I think these questions are really like picking at my brain today. Cause it has me like thinking a little bit. Um, and I'm trying to be careful about my words because I don't want to misspeak on something, but I, I get using the word advanced for when people think of certain things, I get that because in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm starting, I'm new, intermediate, advanced kind of deal. And I actually think that advanced is kind of just like a fluff word in terms of the, like this question, because who's to say that somebody who's been doing like witchcraft for 30 plus years and they only want to do protection? or self-love workings does that make advanced you know they could be advanced in that right but who's to say that they're that somebody else couldn't be advanced in that as well and it really again goes back to who you are and I know we say this so often you know you have to figure out who you are to figure out how you are advancing in your practice I wouldn't call yourself advanced I would say I have been advancing in my practice and here's how yeah I think that's a that's a good way to look at it I don't really like to put a term on like my practice of of, if I'm advanced or this or that and I do understand like people like to say I've been practicing for 30 years that's great and I do think years matter but I think it's what you do with those years that matters the most you could be practicing witchcraft for 30 years but how how much are you studying and what are you trying and what are you actually practicing? So don't get stuck into that pitfall where people are like, I have 20 years experience or 15 years experience. It's like, that's great. But someone that's practicing for five years might know more than you do because they've been practicing every day. And I'm not saying like, that's a good thing to do, but it's kind of hard. 
it is really kind of hard and it's it's kind of almost in the same way kind of you know like like with other types of religion or practices you know going to church so often I want to say it's like well I'm a better let's say Christian than somebody else because I go every week or I go every day it's like okay but the person who goes Christmas and Easter as I like to term it Christers um they could be just as good and they could just be as happy you've never heard of Christers dude I never really went to church like my parents used to take me when I was a child but we 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 barely ever go for Christmas and Easter ever I mean that's why I'm like saying do you you know just just do you but I've never heard of Christers oh we were heavy Christers but yeah when we have our Christmas podcast I'll talk about the Christmas mass (laughs) all right all right but anyway sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no no it's good but it's kind of like that like you could go every day or you could be a creaster of 50 plus years and just be as happy with your life you know so really I don't you can use the term advanced but like this is not an AP course like yeah and I think it's hard because as humans we like to compartmentalize and put our name like we need to put a name to something like sometimes people just need to put a word to something like when you're looking at witches and you're like, okay, you know, is this new practitioner more advanced? And it's like, it just gets too convoluted, but I will say the one thing that I don't like that I see a lot is calling people baby witches or baby practitioners. I think that is so demeaning. And that's just me personally. I will never call you a baby. You are a full fucking grown adult. You are a new practitioner in my eyes and we're all just in this together. So yeah, you're just a practitioner who, you know, maybe had just found it. You're just beginning. Um, But, you know, as humans, we love to put things into boxes and especially into thirds is really what it is. You find that like shit, even in archaeology, you got the old, the middle and the new kingdom of Egypt, like the big three. Small, medium, large. Exactly. You've got, you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Like we love putting shit into thirds. Yeah. I would say, though, what I would say makes you good in your craft and not using the word advanced, how do you know you're good in your craft? Yeah. By knowing yourself, knowing your own energy, being able to understand when spells have worked and when they haven't, being able to see when your protections have been hit and when they haven't, cleansing and understanding like not only you, but like the world around you, yeah. the environment in which you're working in um, and who you're working with. So I think that makes you a pretty solid practitioner. Yeah. You know what? Let's go by solid. Yeah. We're it's solid. Perfect we're solid you got to go back check if there are any cracks in the form in the foundation that's it oh you want to hear about a mistake i just made over gettysburg (laughs) yeah what what's your mistake because everyone's always like you're so advanced no let me tell you something i am still learning this is why i say these things i did a whole ass paranormal investigation and forgot to cleanse myself and i had nightmares all weekend yeah i know ten's looking at me like she's horrified like i should know better (laughs) I should know better. You literally went out to Gettysburg, one of the most haunted places in the United States, on the battlefield, like ring-a-ding-dang-do bitches, had all of the paranormal interactions, and then we're like, this is fine. I don't need to do anything. (laughs) I was having nightmares two days straight. I couldn't sleep. I think I said it on the podcast how I was having nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. I get home. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, mm, I'm went to bed that night. I'm still having nightmares, still having nightmares. I'm like, this is insane. I'm out of the hotel. What the hell? My ancestors are like, are you going to cleanse yourself or what's <laughs> up? And I was like, 
They're like, get in the bath. <laughs> oh my God, I had to do a whole like cleansing ritual bath for like an hour. And then I felt so much better, but it took like two days, but I've made, I still make mistakes in my practice. And I'm just <laughs> warning you, you go to do a paranormal investigation, you better cleanse yourself. <laughs> my ancestors were really like, you are ridiculous. <laughs> they really said, you're done. You're done. Are, are we, should we tell her or like what? Get in the tub. <laughs> Don't cleanse yourself. And I don't mean like showering. I was showering. I mean like an actual like salt cleansing bath. <laughs> I want people to think I don't shower. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh my God. Let's move on because we can talk about this for like a whole hour. Let's talk about, well, I should ask you, where do you want to start with this? Um, I guess let's kind of start with what's been happening in the news because- this has truly been like the best few weeks as an archaeologist. Like it's incredible. I'm not even an archaeologist and I'm screaming. I am screaming, crying, throwing up. Like I am it's incredible. Like to be at this point in time, and now we're still piecing together so much of world history and finding out things that we had absolutely no idea that even existed. Um, so before I kind of just get on my excited soapbox, let me kind of lay the foundation of what's going on to you listeners who may not be aware. So a few weeks ago, um, at the beginning of the month, it was actually the 100-year anniversary of when Howard Carter discovered, or I guess rediscovered, King Tut. So it's been 100 years since the world was introduced to King Tut. And that in itself, that finding was one of the most important finds in archaeology of the 20th century. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone knows that. Egypt on the board. Egyptomania came out of it. And it really made archaeology and Egyptology look back at history and get a really great understanding of what was going on during the New Kingdom period because of how well-preserved his tomb was and his tomb goods in that sense so really great and looking back you can also see how much archaeology and egyptology has also improved in that because back in the day um early archaeology was kind of along the lines of antiquarianism rich men would basically be treasure hunting and there were no standards there were no ethics ethics who's heard of them um and back in the day if you were digging in another country um you were able to take what you found back to your country especially if your country was sponsoring the um the dig Mm -hmm. which is mind-blowing um so a lot of things did get stolen basically um for quite some time before you know people were like shouldn't do this maybe we should leave it in the home country so just to see how far we've come in 100 years is amazing with technology information history wild and then literally back to back to back a few weeks what was last week there was news coming out of egypt that we may have found cleopatra's tomb i literally will throw up because I'm so excited. I love Cleopatra. 
like it's it's absolutely mind-boggling that this queen of egypt the last ptolemaic ruler has been missing from the archaeological record for over 2000 years and nobody's been able to find her and i think my favorite story to come from this is the fact that there is a story that states cleopatra told everybody around her that no man would ever be able to find her tomb yeah well a woman is leading the exhibition i know i know i did see that story i was gonna ask you if that was true about like her saying that i don't know if they have that like documented or if that was just a story that kind of came up but i love that she said that and then a woman is the one leading the expedition i think she was probably like all right open up the gates a woman is now in charge and now you can find my tomb absolutely and this woman has actually been digging um for her tomb for a decade i believe and it was only you know really kind of taken seriously in the last few years and especially the last few months because nobody was like we're not going to find it like we've been looking for it for decades centuries like it's just not here but dr kathleen martinez is just doing groundbreaking research and the idea is that she is buried under the Taposiris Magna Temple, which is located near Alexandria today. Mm-hmm. And underneath this temple, um, a good amount of space underneath, I believe it's about, it's over 15 meters underneath the ground, that there is a tunnel that they found. And they are thinking that it could possibly lead to Cleopatra's tomb. And perhaps even Mark Antony, her lover, is buried with her. Well, didn't also they find coins with Cleopatra's face on it? And that's why they think it might actually be her tomb. Like, there's a lot of things that are associated with her. Yes. So they found um, in that temple, they found coins bearing Cleopatra's name. They found coins bearing Alexander the Great's name. And the Taposiris Magna Temple is a temple to both Osiris and Isis, which is fascinating when you realize that Cleopatra VII fashioned herself to look like the goddess Isis. So it would make sense that like Isis, who had to bring back the pieces of her lover Osiris and put them together, that Cleopatra would be buried with Mark Antony in the temple to Osiris and Isis. So they think this is looking good for finding her tomb. They think so. Um, That is really it. The tunnel, parts of the tunnel are flooded um, because of earthquakes that happened from like 300 CE to like 1300 CE. Um, So there is some damage, but it's looking like a major possibility. I will scream. I don't, I think everyone loves ancient Egyptian history. I've never met one person that said they were never fascinated by it. And obviously if you're not huge into the history, we all do know and love Cleopatra. I mean, she is iconic and obviously in pop culture and Hollywood, et cetera. So I will just cry if they actually find her tomb. I think that would be amazing, but I also hope they do right by her. And mm-hmm. I'm happy that someone who actually really cares is leading the expedition and, you know, yeah respect and i hope that it stays in egypt and yeah so i've actually been seeing a lot of different archaeologists and egyptologists kind of comment on what they should think 
should be done kind of moving forward if you know this is in fact her resting place and i am kind of torn i i do want you know testing and knowledge to be gained but i also understand that this is her resting place yeah, like yeah. she fought so hard for egypt she is the last ptolemaic ruler and she was basically a world leader for her time and she does deserve some some rest i know i was thinking about that too like how i think it's kind of really evasive like i understand for the preservation of culture and history archaeology like finding tombs and temples like this are mm -hmm. really important but it's like do we really need to go in there <laughs> like so that is the absolute downside to archaeology is it's a destructive science when you dig you have to dig up things in order to get below it so you can find the whole history right so right. that is kind of why i'm torn i'm like that would be fantastic and she should 100 percent not leave her tomb like bring the testing to her do you think they're gonna take her out of the tomb i know you can't really answer these questions but i'm just curious as someone who's an archaeologist do you think they're going to go in there and take apart the tomb i mean if they find it and let's let's go best case best best case scenario it looks like king tut's tomb like untouched unbothered and it's in good condition you know physically architecturally that kind of stuff with how great technology is you should bring it to her that's what i'm kind of hoping because i i really was thinking about this i don't know this weighs so heavily on my mind and maybe obviously it's because i, I work as a death worker and which, but I do hate disrupting people's resting places. Like, I feel so bad for King Tut. I always did. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, why do we have to go in there and just start taking things and moving things? And putting, I understand it has to be preserved. And if it's not moved, you know, can we actually preserve it where it really is? But mm -hmm. it is a huge piece of history. It is. And then it's kind of like, well, what are the ethics about this? And is it, a, is it going against what the ancient Egyptians believed in? Right. You know, is it going to affect the Ka of Cleopatra? So like her spirit yeah. being able to go back into her body. Is it going to affect that? And, you know, I think you kind of need to pair archaeology, mythology, and religious studies to accurately, accurately, you know, kind of move forward right now. I mean, the world is watching Egypt. Yeah. So you're on the biggest stage right now, and it is going to be very interesting to see. Um, but the second one, which just came out a few days ago, is it even more mind-boggling in my mind. Um, so recently, um, pretty close to actually where King Tut is, um, they have found from the site of Saqqara is over 300 New Kingdom mummies. And they found a pyramid to a queen who is in no historical records. That's insane. And the mummies are untouched, right? That's what I was reading. Like they're perfectly preserved, which I think is absolutely terrifying. Perfectly preserved. And this site is fascinating because there's a lot of old kingdom burials and there's a lot of late period burials, which are separated by about 2000 years, I'm going to say, plus or minus. But- so from that it, amount it, of time, we're missing a huge chunk. Like, there's no burials there. And these 300 are dating to the New Kingdom, which is the same kingdom of King Tut, Ramses II, 
Shepsut. And it's just like, why are they buried here? Yeah, right. How did, why? How did they get here? The Old Kingdom, for reference, is about 2300 BCE. The New Kingdom starts in the... Ooh, 15th century, I want to say. 15th century BCE. Okay. So how many years apart is that? Um, Roughly. That's a, it, roughly a thousand. Yeah, so then, ha- so then why is that? We don't know. That site could just have not been as active. Um, politics really changed between, of course, the Old Kingdom and the New Kingdom. Um, but it's utterly fascinating that there had been no burials there. So all 300 coffins are individualized. We have names. We have the sons of Horus on them. And they actually opened up a few of the coffins to kind of just check the preservation status of them. And they're beautifully preserved. And they actually found a soldier holding a metal axe in one of the coffins, which... I'm sorry. I was almost in tears when I read that as somebody who studies ancient weaponry. Like this is one of the main things in my dissertation that I'm looking at is Egyptian weaponry. That's really awesome. Um, I'm dying. (laughs) The the tomb, this is Queen Nath, right? I don't think we actually said the name of the queen that's in this tomb. Yes. So it's kind of two parts. So these 300 coffins were found at the site of Saqqara and they were found uh, really deep in the, uh, underneath the surface in 22 interconnected tunnels. Okay. They also found a new pyramid and everybody's like, well, how do you miss a damn pyramid? The pyramid. I was just going to ask you, <laughs> how do they finding a new pyramid? you miss a pyramid (laughs) what's going on this pyramid had actually been covered it was buried in a sense okay this pyramid in a sense was also lost to the sands of time right 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 so they find in this pyramid that it's dedicated to queen nath who is not in any historical documentation of the new kingdom that's so weird. There is a Queen Nath who is the wife and the main consort of Pepe, uh, Pepe the Second, I believe, in the Old Kingdom. But again, this is over a thousand years later. Right. She's not in any historical document. She's not in any king list. I wonder why that is. I have no, I don't need, they don't even know who she was married to. Right. She's just not mentioned anywhere anywhere and like who who is she and what is in her tomb what is in her pyramid and i just thought of it maybe i could be really wrong but what if it's (laughs) what if it's cleopatra and she just is like under this name that no so that no one can find her um so if it is dating to the new kingdom the new kingdom and the ptolemaic period the new kingdom ends um roughly geez i need a no it's fine i'm really bad with dates like i if you asked me when cleopatra ruled i wouldn't be able to tell you like i love her and i admire her work but this is not like my forte <laughs> i wouldn't be able to tell you that <laughs> okay so let's 
Okay, so it ends around 1000 BCE. Okay. The Ptolemaic period begins at the death of Alexander the Great. Okay. So roughly 330 BCE. Cleopatra rules from 51 BCE to 30 BCE. So again, you're looking at almost a thousand years difference. Yeah, so that would never be on the table. But my but, like conspiracy theorist mind is like, but what if? So that's an actually really interesting thing because that has been done. No way. So it's believed, um, Dr. Kara Cooney has talked about this, that there might be evidence that Nefertiti, once her husband passed, that she took on a new name as a male ruler and she took on a new name to become pharaoh wow so that is why like there's like a discrepancy between um akhenaten and king tut ruling that they're finding that there was like an intermediary ruler and that it may have been nefertiti under a different name this is so so wild it's It's been done before together like a puzzle it's wild and like this is what i try and tell people when it's like well how do you do this as archaeologists it's you literally have a a puzzle you don't know what the final image is you have pieces from 35 different puzzles some of the pieces are broken or bitten off Mm -hmm. good luck oh and you're doing this in the dark (laughs) good luck have a great time um well, for, to go back to Queen Nath, for those of you that don't know, Nath is actually an Egyptian goddess of um, weaving and war, also super androgynous, super badass. <laughs> I love everything about Nath. So if you're like, what does Nath mean? Um, that's who she is. Yeah. And I also saw, you know, people were saying, you know, there is another Queen Nath, so could it be her? And like many pharaohs and queens, they would fashion their own royal names after major gods. Yes. So if you look at King Tut's name, his name is um, Tutankhamun. So you look at Amun, that is the Egyptian god. So you will see that, you know, royalty will fashion their names after the gods. So, of course, there may be more than one Queen Nath. There may be, you know, other stuff like that. So it is completely normal for that to happen. Didn't you also say, and I'm not sure if it was in this new archaeological find, um, wasn't there one that was also took on the name that had something to do with Sobek? Was it in the new archaeological find or was this another ruler that you and I must have been talking about? So that is another ruler. Um, I believe she was the last ruler of the old kingdom. It was um, Sobek Nefru or yes, Nefru that was Sobek. it. I couldn't remember what you, we were talking about this in text because I love Sobek. I love ancient Egypt. I love all mm-hmm. the gods. Like I like to talk about this. This is fun. And you were talking about the one that had taken on Sobek's name to me, I think in a text message. This is what we talk about, Ted and I, no joke. Like some days we're like, <laughs> wow, that is so cool. <laughs> Just two words being like, Sobek. <laughs> yes. Um. So she was, I believe the last ruler of the old kingdom. Okay. Um, but very fascinating stuff that we have here. It's, it's super exciting. I know that basically it's, it's all over the news. So, um, we should have probably done like an emergency episode. I mean, maybe, I mean, if they find Cleopatra's tomb, I'm texting you, we're hopping on mics in hand and we are reporting live. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to report live. Um, we, we should do that. Honestly, we should just start reporting live when they start finding things archeologically, but man, what a time to be alive where, 
this is the kind of stuff that is being found now in 2022. Very exciting for all of us. Yeah. And, and Egypt. Very happy for Egypt. Yes. And I'm so happy that it's going to stay there. It's staying in Egypt. Yes. Um, and, you know, with King Tut being found 100 years, you know, this month, it's also really interesting because King Tut, in a sense, did so much for kind of Egyptian history, but also really kind of disillusioned a lot of people because when he was discovered, so was the curse of the pharaohs. Okay, I was wondering how we were going to transition into this. We're now talking about curses and like where they came from, especially in ancient Egypt and like curse of the mummy and you're going to die if you find the tomb and burial places mm-hmm. of a, a pharaoh. Um, but yes, I think that's the most famous story, right? Is King Todd's tomb and finding it and the curse that was placed upon everybody that was part of that expedition. Oh, yeah. So Howard Carter opens it. He's the archaeologist. His friend and financier who you know put in a lot of money to this dig um carnivan he dies like soon after the mummy is found right and within you know a few year period i believe it's up to 10 years six of the original 26 you know excavators died and everybody was like whoa 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 it's the curse of the goddamn pharaohs is what it is I can see why they they said that though. Like I myself, as as a witchy gal, would be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We must have done something here in this tomb. All these people are dying. <laughs> All these people are dying. Oh my god!" But well, didn't they have malaria? They said someone had blood poisoning. Um, yeah. So Carnivan, he was he ended up getting bitten by a mosquito, um, and ended up getting blood poisoning because we have to remind ourselves this is 1922, um. They're also in a foreign country, so it is, you know, not going to be the best over there. Remember, doctors in the 1920s, think about that. Um, And you're on a dig, so you're already in the dirt. There's not really a lot of cleanliness. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly touching a wound, your face, you're going to get sick. Right. Um, There were beliefs that, you know, opening up the tomb had toxins in it. Um, because of like the mold in there all of that it was like unsafe breathing levels um people have done tests on that and it doesn't really seem to be that much of a influence on you know how people would react and it wouldn't be that high no that makes a lot of sense i just think it just happened to be like an unfortunate event what happened to the expedition team and also like you said the time period was the 1920s so a lot of things were happening sicknesses illnesses disease medicine wasn't where it's at like it is today so um we do have to take those things into account but it then spirals into like hollywood now taking on the the mummy and you open a tomb and then all the movies start coming out and everyone thinks if you open a tomb you're gonna die exactly i mean case in point just watch brendan Fraser's iconic movie the mummy everybody who opened up the tomb all the americans they were had the soul sucked out of them like that that's not gonna happen like i i hate to be (laughs) the spoiler um that's that's not gonna happen scarabs aren't gonna eat you and the pharaoh isn't gonna come back and kill you arabs push poop (laughs) (laughs) that you know what kevin has a deathly like i know we were talking about this earlier he's a I'm death fear about scarabs 
Okay. I know. I understand this. I understand this. I, I am don't. afraid. <laughs> I don't. Mommy, I, I had a very bad experience when I was a kid. It was on TV. My parents like had left me to sleep on the couch at nighttime and I had fallen asleep watching it. And you know, when you just wake up and you're like five and you're watching this movie, that's so like, obviously terrifying as a five-year-old. Yeah. Nightmares that this mummy was coming to get me for weeks, <laughs> weeks. I am, I was, ter- I am terrified. Well, I was terrified of mummy. So I've never actually gone back and watched the movie because I'm like, I can't. Oh my God. I can't, but the scarabs were the scariest part. They push poop. They don't eat people. Well, tell a five-year-old that. I didn't know. And so then my parents take me to Universal um, in Florida. And I don't know if any of you have been there, but they have the mummy ride. Okay. And they have a room where all these scarabs come in. And I was like, <gasps> I was so scared. It was just traumatizing on all ends. Like, so I get Kevin's fear of scarabs. Okay. I'm on that boat. Um, well, I'm not anymore because I know they push poop, but I get it. <laughs> I freaking get it. Um, but of course, you know, the mummy's curse has perpetuated for a damn century now, and it's even gone back before that in the late 1800s, but it's fascinating because, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, the curse of the mummy, this, that, and the other thing. There's rarely evidence of curses actually being written in tombs, pyramids, mummies, coffins, anything like that. We don't have that. Right. And you're talking about like a conditional curse. So like if you open this tomb, X, Y, and Z will happen to you. Yeah. And when we do find curses, because they are rare, but we do have some, it's more like like a no trespassing sign in modern days. Kind of like, do not disturb. Or like, if you open this tomb or sarcophagus, like, this will happen to you. So it's like, if you do A, you get B. Do you know how... We we talked about curses on Patreon for our Patreon members. And if you're interested, we go into detail about hexing, cursing, jinxing. But to actually successfully execute a curse, even a conditional one, there's a lot that needs to go into that. So mm-hmm. even if there was something that said that, I like you just said, I'm sure it's to keep trespassers away because I kind of feel like a conditional curse is hard to execute. There's a lot of like everyone is so different. And I feel like there's a lot of factors that come into play with that. Like if you're cursing your target you need to have a whole bunch of information right like absolutely so it's not just like you open the door and oh i'm cursed now um there's a lot more that goes into like hexing and cursing yeah so it's super interesting to see how you know one find one tomb really perpetuated this Mm -hmm. and especially because we just don't we just don't have that and it's it's fascinating to see, you know, cursing was all of this, like, big bad and everything through history, but there's rarely evidence of it. They're really only going to have, you know, depictions of the underworld and the Book of the Dead, like, spells for safe passage. It was like, a very sacred, beautiful thing to them. It wasn't just, like, enter my tomb and you die. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to suck the soul from you. No, it was it was about them. It's, it's not about the outside exterior. It was about them and their peace in the afterlife and making sure they have everything that they need when they have to return like that is the whole point of their tomb it wasn't to just scare people it's a very sacred thing and i love like the ancient egyptians view on death and i hope like one day we can do a whole podcast on it because we could talk about egyptian um mythology like i really love ancient egypt and oh yeah i love death so much i would actually argue and say 
it was my entryway into death work, studying ancient Egypt in school. I would say it was the same for me with archaeology. I mean, yeah, hell yeah. I feel like that's how most ar- archaeologists must start. It's like you study ancient Egypt and you're like, fuck yeah. This is where I want to be. <laughs> Give me a shovel. I'm heading to Egypt. <laughs> like that's the dream, right? Like that would be a dream to go and like dig and and find very important things in Egypt. I would love to do that. I'm not even an archaeologist. Oh yeah. It's it's crazy. And then like it because these curses are more like warnings, like don't trespass kind of deal. But I mean, when graves were robbed, people did find these warnings and just didn't care because a lot of them were robbed shortly after the funeral by people in the funeral party. That's terrible. Because they knew where everything was. They knew all the are just (laughs) taking shit that they don't need. And yeah, literally like the minute someone dies in your family, tell me you haven't had experience and people are now arguing over what's theirs and what's not. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Money. It comes down to the jewelry. Like, you know, they're robbing things. (laughs) Ancients are just like us. Modern robbers. We're not so far off. And then it's so fascinating because you have people who are like, oh my God, I'm so scared about the curses and everything. But then you look into the mummy trade and people were just taking mummies out of Egypt, crushing them up as an herbal supplement in a cure. That's disgusting and crazy and weird. And making paint colors out of it. You can all look up mummy brown. It's wild. That's when someone deserves to get cursed. Yeah. Like you are literally crushing up mummies because they thought it was going to heal them, benefit them, all of this kind of stuff. And it's like... I can kind of see the reasoning, but like, why would you do that? I I, you sh- I wish everyone could see the horrified <laughs> respond to this. That's crazy. Oh my God. Um, I was laughing because I was scrolling on the internet earlier and, you know, as we do, we'd be scrolling and someone was talking about like the new um, archaeological finds in Egypt and they called it the earth's lore. They're like, everybody, there's a new chapter in the earth's lore. And I was fucking screaming. I'm calling it that from now on. The earth's lore. <laughs> I'm only ever referring it to that at this point is the earth's lore. Um, we got an update, a software update. We got an update in the uh, humankind lore. <laughs> yeah but i felt like it was a nice way to look at it because we're all like on the edge of our seats with egypt like what are you gonna find i know i'm like shit man i need to fly out there see what's going on listen i'll go out there i'm going out there because i want to eat some good food have a good time go to a pyramid you could do the digging (laughs) just sit there and with my glass sit there with an umbrella like you should dig over there (laughs) try this try this right here ted you missed a spot yeah i'll just i'll just fly out and stand with my umbrella (laughs) try over here (laughs) that would be so funny or i would just live stream it and be like your butt cracks out (laughs) think faster you have to butt (laughs) meanwhile i'm like in a freaking hole like (laughs) also if you that's a joke because if you are digging a hole in archaeology you're not an archaeologist like you don't dig holes (laughs) No, I would hope not. Um, but yeah, so I'm really happy that we did talk about this today because I've been waiting a dang minute to talk about Egypt and ancient Egypt and curses and conditional curses. So as we just stated, it's more of a pop 
culture Hollywood spooky thing that's going on there talking about tombs and curses and the curse of the mummy yeah. and you're going to die. Um, as we know, they like to take death and spirits and the sacredity of death and make it something that it's not. Might as well just put Zach Baggins in that tomb while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like another interesting thing to look about, you know, ancient tombs and everything is these conditional curses or warnings, if you will, are kind of like the ancient versions of like spiritual wards in a sense. Like yes. you're trying to, you know, protect. That's ultimately what it's trying to do. It's protecting the sacred space. Right. So, I mean, it's super interesting to look at it that way, you know, to see how ancients may have been doing, you know, a spiritual ward. And, you know, if you practice, you know, with protection wards on your house, on your space today, it's kind of interesting to see like, huh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> well, it's giving the same energy of like when you go past someone's house and it has like dog, like beware of dog. Like that's that same sort of energy to me, right? Where it's like, it's scaring people. It's like, I have a dog on this property. It'll come fight you if you even try to get into my house. And I actually know some women have actually um, put those stickers if like they live by themselves on their homes, apartments to scare people away, right? Like that they have a big barking dog. I love that. Let me tell you why. Because oh. there's historical precedence to that. Is there? In my, in my mind, that has been linked. Okay, fine. So right. you have the beware of dog. Why? Why would you put up a beware of dog, Chelsea? Beware of dog? Um, well, I actually don't know what people <laughs> Like, I guess if you have, like, I think of bigger dogs, like immediately, like a Rottweiler, a Pitbull, dogs that kind of get like a bad name, like German Shepherds or have different types of temperaments. So like, if you're going to come into my house, like beware, there is a big dog in here. Or if you're going to rob me, you're going to get your shit wrecked. Aha. So in the um, ancient world, especially to the Romans, dogs were seen as an apotropaic symbol. And there oh, are famous mosaics in Pompeii today that depict a leashed dog. Leashed dogs are well-known in their iconography. Why? Because if you have a beware of dog sign, if you have a dog mosaic in your ancient household in Pompeii, why? That dog is technically guarding your household where evil, ill intent, evil, you know, energy can come in. And that dog, in a sense is being a bodyguard it is scaring away that ill intent and is not letting it pass i'm here for that and i actually just think of a good of a good idea you can get a beware of dog sign and use it as like a spiritual word oh shit yeah look at us we're we're concocting all these things like just get yourself a beware of dog sign put some intention slap some sigils charge it and there's your spiritual ward oh yeah and if not look up some hieroglyphics oh yeah Look up the Book of the Dead, my guy. Like, <laughs> there's so many different things, like sigils, runes. Like, when you learn ancient symbols and symbology, it, it adds that little bit of extra spice. I mean, um, I use scissors as a word. I know oh, that yeah. um, to actually um, banish the evil eye and um, repel it. That's used in Italian folk practice. So, it's also used to catch a witch. Oh yeah, we can also <laughs> try that. I know um but it's fascinating and you know you can even put some symbols and stuff like that on your body and oh, yeah. it too can act as a as a ward itself 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily put an evil eye tattoo on me. No, I have some thoughts about that. I, I don't think I would put the evil eye tattoo on me either. Someone did ask me that once and I was like, mm, no. No, because the only thing is evil eyes are supposed to break when they, they've done their job. Yeah, so you're just like binding yourself to it and- and I don't, oh, I don't need a broken ankle if I put it on an ankle. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good. Um, But it's stuff like that. You know, maybe we'll do an episode on like ancient tattooing and symbols. That would be really cool. I'm into that. Yeah. Because I have some ancient symbols on me. Well, speaking of which, I get my tattoo next month. But okay, okay, okay. So I know we got we to gotta wrap up this episode because we could just chit chat forever. But um, did you want to add anything else to this? I think we kind of covered it all. This was a really interesting and fun one. This was so fun. Um, I'm really excited. I will continue to try and give updates on my social media accounts. Um, just kind of, you know, giving you guys what's going on, what's good in the archaeological world, um, all that kind of stuff. I love this. This is what I live for. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, if you don't like ancient Egypt, I don't never met someone that didn't like ancient Egypt and the mythology and the history behind it. So I think ancient Egypt could bring us all together. I'm here for that. And that's where we're going to leave off. <laughs> but um, thank you again for listening to us for another week. Remember, we're going to have two more episodes and we're taking a break. Don't worry. We'll remind you. But please, please, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and please rate our podcast in the store, especially in Apple Podcasts. It really, or on Spotify or on Google, wherever you listen, it really helps us get up there in the charts. We really yes. appreciate for those of you who have already left reviews. I cry every time we get a review. I'm like, oh, that was oh my so God, funny. we love it. It's, yeah. it, it brings tears to our eyes. But we also hope you have an amazing holiday. Um, Spend some time eating some good food or just spend some time off if you're not going to visit family. So yeah, yeah. enjoy and gather around the fire and talk about ancient Egypt this holiday. Oh yeah, now you know. Now you're armed with some conversation starters. Oh yeah, icebreakers. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye.